say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, committee alive from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And glad to be back with you after a rather long hiatus, extended time off. I know you've missed me because I've missed you. All right, so uh, it has been a situation where uh, Biden bucks has made it nearly impossible for those of us who uh, still work a day job to have very much time to do much of anything else. Uh, What I mean by that, of course, is I've had a lot of extended hours at the day job, uh, making it nearly impossible to keep any type of schedule. And uh, in that effort, other than doing the uh, work at the day job and then trying to take care of family commitments as well i still find myself without enough hours to even take a decent nap but i've waited too long i've got to get back into it so much has happened way too much to even try to get caught up on so i'm not really going to try at least not all at once i will however make every effort to try to let you know uh what i've thought about a lot of what we have missed discussing together as we move forward because guess what as we continue to step towards the midterms of 2022 and the upcoming presidential election in 2024 we're going to have plenty of time to revisit everything that's been going on and going wrong since i have been absent from the radio waves Okay, so speaking of radio airwaves, I want to give a special shout-out to the fine folks over at KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. You guys have been listening uh, even even to just reruns, a rebroadcast of rebroadcasts. Uh, a special shout-out to the program director over there, Michael. You've done a fantastic job of rotating it and keeping it relatively fresh with it seeming like it could be reasonable (laughs) and maybe topical but uh it's just done a fantastic job and thank you guys uh, you listeners out there for bearing with that and continuing to listen to this broadcast and the rebroadcast of the show even without a lot of new content that 
that is actually a, a real sign of how much you guys are enjoying the message. And to me, that that speaks volumes. So thank you guys so very much. Uh, I've also missed uh, the BTR family. I've missed you guys. Uh, hopefully we can get back to doing uh, live spots over there and get some chat room interaction again soon. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. But definitely want to keep you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And, and everybody who's listened to the podcast on the multitude of platforms that the podcast can be found. You guys have been fantastic, too. The numbers have barely dipped. Uh, I mean, uh, there is a, a noticeable change on a couple of apps, but it is absolutely mind-boggling how little the uh, numbers have changed. So thank you so very much for that. Greatly appreciate you guys so very much. So thank you, thank you, thank you. With that being said, though, We've got to jump in. Ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution, the Constitution made a sudden reemergence. It made an appearance in the great state of California. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, in the great state of California, it is astounding. It is mind-boggling, and it is difficult to believe, but yes, it has indeed happened. All right, so maybe you're wondering, Tim, what are you even talking about? That's crazy. The Constitution and California, those two haven't seen each other in forever. Uh, especially if you happen to live in California and you might be wondering, hey, what's what's this? Uh, the Constitution? Is that still a thing? Uh, well, in the rest of the country, it still is mostly. Uh, <laughs> however, it's been a bit much. Okay, so what am I talking about? Now, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you probably heard by now a little bit. But what I found amazing is, of course, this event occurred last Friday. So you go headlong into the weekend. Everybody's kind of in summer mode, so not as much coverage of this story as I would like, because this is a big deal. Granted, it could be bigger, but it's, just, it's still a big deal. Okay, so a federal judge in the Southern District of California ruled late last Friday that California's controversial assault weapons ban is, in fact, indeed, absolutely, unequivocally unconstitutional. Yeah, who knew? It's still a thing, even in California. Uh, quote, This case is not about extraordinary weapons laying at the outer limits of Second Amendment protection. Uh, this coming from Judge Roger T. Benitez, uh, continuing saying in his writing, the banned assault weapons, in quotation marks there, I might add, are not bazookas, howitzers, or machine guns. Those arms are dangerous and solely useful for military purposes. Instead, the firearms deemed assault weapons are fairly ordinary, popular, modern rifles. Now, talking about AR-15s when he says uh, popular and modern rifles. This is an average case about average guns used in average ways for average purposes. I, I think there's a message he's trying to send here. Uh, continuing uh, from his reading, one is to be forgiven if one is persuaded by news media and others that the nation is awash with murderous AR-15 assault rifles. The facts, however, do not support this hyperbole. And facts matter. Federal Bureau of Investigation murder statistics do not track assault rifles, but they do show that killing by knife attack is far more common than murder by any kind of rifle. In California, murder by knife occurs seven times more often than murder by rifle. For example, according to FBI statistics, in 2019, California saw 252 people murdered with a knife, while only 34 people were killed with some type of rifle, not even necessarily an AR-15, just any rifle at all. A Californian is three times more likely to be murdered by an attacker's bare hands, fist, or feet than by his rifle. 
In 2018, the statistics were even more lopsided as California saw only 24 murders by some type of rifle. The same pattern can be observed across the nation. So not just in California do we see this. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is old news to most of us. I mean, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard that said a multitude of times right here. And I'm pretty sure that if you have paid attention whatsoever to the statistics or if you listen to conservative media at all, there's a really good chance that you've heard a lot of other people say the same thing. Because the, the statistics, see, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I, I'm trying to talk so fast that I'm getting tongue-tied. The statistics are clear. And in this case, the facts They don't show an anomaly. There's not a twisting of the data here. It is a clear, factual statement that rifles are not typically used in murder, not just in California, but anywhere in the United States, at least for now. I mean, the Dems keep pushing. They're trying to do away with law and order. Who knows what kind of crazy mischief is going to happen. Shenanigans abound. But it's pretty clear. Rifles, not exactly the danger they're being portrayed as. In, in this, this particular case, once again, we're talking about AR-15s. Scary looking, but really no more dangerous than any other semi-automatic weapon in existence, period. Now, the ruling, of course, was the result of a 2019 lawsuit that was filed by Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, FPC for short, to challenge California's Assault Weapons Control Act, uh, which banned the popular semi-automatic firearms, not just the AR-15, but several others, too. Now, as noted by FPC, the order included an injunction against Defendant Attorney General Rob Bonta and his officers, agents, servants, employees, and attorneys, and those persons in active concert or participation with him, and those duly sworn state police officers and federal law enforcement officers who gain knowledge of this injunction order or know of its existence of this injunction order, preventing them from implementing or enforcing the following <laughs> California Penal Code 30515, subsection A1 through 8, defining as assault weapons by prohibited features. Uh, now, I, I could go through this, and it makes for terrible radio, so I'm going to skip it. But at this point, there are several uh, little things here in this provision that this injunction carries. It covers a great deal of the the act that uh, Gavin Newsom is so very proud of, that the Oregon Democrats have pushed so very hard, basically trying to make it impossible for you to have a firearm. Period is their ultimate goal. They say it's not. We know it is. Anyway. Uh, in a statement from uh, the FPC president, uh, Brandon Combs, he said, quote, In his order today, Judge Benitez held what millions of Americans already know to be true. Bans on so-called assault weapons are unconstitutional and cannot stand. This historic victory for individual liberty is just the beginning and FPC will continue to aggressively challenge these laws throughout the United States. We look forward to continuing this challenge at the Ninth Circuit and, should it be necessary, to the Supreme Court. Now, the judge in the case did slam the state of California, which, again, we're talking about the government, not the residents, and, and uh, that said government, we know uh, to be run by Democrats, uh, very left-leaning Democrats. But he slammed these folks for infringing on America's constitutionally protected rights. It's kind of a refreshing change of pace to hear a judge do that. He basically made a statement that you might not know it, but this case is about what should be a muscular constitutional right 
and whether a state can force a gun policy choice that infringes on that right with a 30-year-old failed experiment. It should be an easy question and answer. Government is not free to impose its own new policy choices on American citizens where constitutional rights are concerned. When I see somebody wearing the, the robes, when I, when I hear somebody who actually sits on a bench talk like that, make a decision like that, write it down, making sure that everyone knows and understands what the bare bones about this is, that it's not even a reason for deliberation. Bring whatever information you want. Make your case as best you can. But at the end of the day, the Constitution is still the Constitution. And any constitutionally guaranteed, constitutionally protected, God-given right of an American citizen cannot be infringed. That just made me go. It makes me feel good inside. And it's good in a way I haven't felt very much at all since the shenanigans that took place last November. It makes me feel good enough that I want to I wanna do it again. I want to I say that. I want to read this part of the judge's statement again. You might not know it, but this case is about what should be a muscular constitutional right. A muscular constitutional right. And whether a state can force a gun policy choice that impinges on the right with a 30-year failed experiment calling out the uh, federal assault weapons ban for what it is, a failed experiment. It should be an easy question and answer. Government is not free to impose its own new policy choices on American citizens where the constitutional rights are concerned. That says it all. But he had a little more to say. In the effort to continue to criticize the California government, the California Democrats, he said California may certainly conceive of a policy that a modern rifle is dangerous in the hands of a criminal and that therefore it is good public policy to keep modern rifles out of the hands of every citizen. The Second Amendment stands as a shield from government imposition of that policy. There is only one policy enshrined in the Bill of Rights, guns and ammunition in the hands of criminals, tyrants, and terrorists are dangerous. Guns in the hands of law-abiding, responsible citizens are better. To give full life to the core right of self-defense, every law-abiding, responsible individual citizen has a constitutionally protected right to keep and bear firearms commonly owned and kept for lawful purposes. Now, I would have liked a little broader language there at the end, but I'm still down with that. I'm digging that. That is, that is some major mojo. Problem is, this will be pushed to the next level. This will not just simply be accepted by the government of California. It will go to the Ninth Circuit. Now, the Ninth Circuit's no longer a slam dunk, by the way, for the uh, leftist uh, and their many efforts. There's still enough leaning to the left that this may get over there. It may not. That's what I'm saying. The Ninth Circuit is no longer just a pushover automatic, uh, just count it up as a win for the left, no matter what it is. But... What has been made clear in this case is if this decision is, in fact, overturned in the ninth, the plaintiff is more than willing, more than prepared, and more than happy to push on 
and to appeal to a higher court. And the way things are going right now, with the looks of this current makeup of the Supreme Court, I would seriously doubt that they would decide not to take up this case. And I would greatly, greatly love to see this actually end up in front of them. I don't what happens at that point, because that's going to be freaking fantastic, too. Now the left is going to continue to threaten and try to bully the more conservative members of the court right now. They they're still keep making their empty threats. Well, I don't know how empty they are. I shouldn't say that. I, I have every reason to believe they mean exactly what they keep saying, and that is, if you don't go along with what we want, then we're going to pack the court. I mean, they went so far as to try to redefine what court packing means, right? We, we've seen that. We've even talked about it right here on this broadcast on previous broadcasts we've talked about they they've tried to redefine what it means now adding a bunch of new justices in order to to try to get the supreme court to rule the way they want to that's not court packing it's what uh, it's what that last guy did the the orange man who was bad the uh, kicker of puppies to uh, to troll the media and the leftists and see how far he can push them before he makes an announcement of if he's running for president again or not. Yeah, that guy. That guy. What he did, you know, the constitutional responsibility of attempting to fill the federal court vacancies. Now, that's court packing. <laughs> that's their definition of court packing now. So simply doing your constitutional responsibility, your job, your constitutionally defined job as the chief executive when it comes to your responsibilities in the executive branch, i.e. filling those vacancies. No, 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 that's court packing. Now, I, the problem is they even get some level of cover because they can point at how many vacancies Trump filled. Look at all these vacancies, hundreds of vacancies, hundreds of vacancies filled by the orange man who was bad. And that, of course, that's packing the court. I mean, again, they, they honestly believe that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals should be an automatic slam dunk for the left. The very fact that it is no longer that automatic slam dunk for the left is what makes them believe in their little tiny heart of hearts that that was court packing because the rules have changed. There are now judges sitting on the bench in various levels of the federal court system that actually look at the merits of the case and try to make their decisions in accordance with what the Constitution actually says. Yeah, what kind of craziness is that? No wonder they're having a hard time doing that. Nobody's done that since before Reagan. Judges don't do that. We've been very careful about who we've approved, who we've allowed to sit on these. We know for a fact, we, we haven't selected anybody to fill one of these positions that doesn't believe that they are, in fact, the left's defense against having to be held accountable when it comes to their policies. Their policies. And it's important to remember what their policies are. Those policies that took us in just a few short months from energy independence to uh, gas prices shooting through the roof. You know, that, that type of policy, the destruction of blue states to the point that people are leaving in droves. I mean, this mass migration from places like California and New York that are taking place right now, moving like California, I'm sorry, moving away from California to places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee and uh, South Carolina. Only that which we fear the most when those mass migrations happen, that they'll bring their voting patterns with them. Right now, at least, it doesn't look like that's the case. 
looks like a lot of the people that are leaving are the folks that actually were legitimately conservative or maybe only slightly right of center, maybe even just slightly left of center, but recognize the insanity of this ultra-leftist agenda that's being pushed by the current administration slash regime slash Operation P-Pads and E-Pads. Uh, barely there, Beijing Biden doing his best to tear down this nation, and I doubt that he's even remotely aware of it. Well, you may ask. I don't know why you would, and it should be given, and most of you guys that listen to the show are smart enough that you already know most of what's going on here. But you may ask, Tim, why do you think they're going to continue to push? Why do you think they'll continue to fight this? Well, Gavin Newsom has already answered that question. And for those of you who may be listening uh, outside of the United States, and I've noticed that the show's popularity uh, outside of the country continues to grow as well, and thank you guys for listening outside of the U.S., Gavin Newsom answered, he is the current governor of the state of California. He came out on Saturday, the day after this announcement, and he was all over the place, uh, especially on social media, just flat out angry as he could be. He was just lashing out. This unconstitutional gun ban, but what really shows you how desperate that he is is that some of this lashing out was just straight-up lies. Now, these are lies that he knows a majority of the Democratic base are going to believe are true. And the reason they're going to believe is true because the media has been pumping the same false information out there for a long time. A majority of Democrats, voters in this country who still trust the legacy media as a source of knowledge and information and news, they believe that the AR-15 is a weapon of war. They believe that the very scary-looking rifle is far more dangerous than anything else you'll find at the local gun store. <coughs> they believe these things because they've been lied to. Folks that are even just paying passing attention, who maybe don't know any better or any different, they're still given these limited pieces of information that are all about the anti-gun, the gun grabbers, uh, their, their propaganda. Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor of the state of California, for now, lashed out at the federal judge, this past Saturday, after the judge ruled on Friday that the California's far-left assault weapons ban was indeed unconstitutional and it violated the Second Amendment. Quoting here, As the son of a judge, I grew up with deep respect for the judicial process and the importance of of a judge's ability to make impartial, fact-based rulings. But the fact that this judge compared the AR-15 open of war that's used on the battlefield to a Swiss Army knife completely undermines the credibility of this decision and is a slap in the face to the families who've lost loved ones to this weapon. Now, I, I don't know if you listened at all. You saw some, well, let's diplomatically call them um, some liberties from the truth. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, AR 15s are not typically used on the battlefield much of anywhere. <laughs> um,. They are not weapons of war. They are a rifle that was has become popular in sport use in the last decade or so, but it's still primarily intended for personal defense at home. Not, not a weapon of war. And, yeah, making a 
comparison to an AR-15 to a Swiss Army knife uh, may actually be a slap in the face to the families who've lost loved ones to the AR-15, but uh, we can count on one hand how many families have lost loved ones to the AR-15 that were not committing a criminal act at the time it happened. In fact, actually, I think you may not even need to count that number. Just saying. Newsom continued, of course, we're not backing down from this fight and we'll continue pushing for common sense gun laws that will save lives. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Gavin, and uh, I'm going to say that we've already got common sense gun laws that save lives. Uh, it's that natural carry permit that we all were granted at the passing of the Constitution and those first ten amendments, better known as the Bill of Rights, specifically that second amendment that says you can't pass laws that abridge the right to own and carry firearms. Uh, that That's the common sense gun law. It is a common sense gun law that would save lives. And I simply, once again, would like to point out statistics. All you have to do is look at the per capita level of violent crime in comparison to highest gun ownership to lowest gun ownership. See who has the bigger problems with gun crime or any violent crime at all. See who has the bigger problems. Look at any stats. From any source that's actually a legitimate source, not just something that Michael Moore is making up for this next big documentary. <laughs> not that I think Michael Moore has just made up stats before. I think he tends to stay away from those statistics, period. Too easily debunked. Uh, Moore's smarter than that. But you know what I'm trying to say. Some people will say all kinds of stuff, but again, I mean, come on. The AR-15 is not a weapon of war, and it is not used on the battlefield. The AR-15 is a civilian version of the rifle that the U.S. military uses the M4. The M4 is able to fire in a fully automatic mode, whereas the AR-15, eh, no, not so much. Now, could you go in and manipulate it uh, to do so? If you have the prerequisite knowledge, if you are a class uh, class A gunsmith, maybe you can do that safely. Uh, if you're even just a tinkerer who practiced, maybe you can get lucky enough to pull away from it. But guess what happens if you're doing that? You do that, then you are breaking the law. So now we're not talking about law-abiding citizens anymore, and we're not talking about responsible citizens anymore. We're talking about criminals taking a criminal action. But if you have an AR-15 that has not been manipulated in this fashion, if you continue to be a law-abiding citizen who's simply exercising your Second Amendment-protected, God-given right to own that firearm, then first of all, God bless you. But what you have in your hands cannot, will not move into an automatic firing mode. Therefore, it is not a weapon of war. Therefore, it will not be found on the battlefield. Unless you're talking about the battlefield of everyday survival in your home when somebody tries to break in. The AR-15 is a pretty good friend to have in that case. Now, most people still use small arms for that type of personal self-defense. Pistols in particular. So the AR-15 is still not a hugely uh, utilized firearm for that purpose, but that is perhaps its best overall purpose. Now, I would like to point out to you again, this is Newsom, A, not knowing what he's talking about, so once again, he's talking out of his backside, and two, still trying to placate to a base that he desperately needs to you know, support him uh, because he is facing that recall election this summer, um, officially over his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
you know, the governmental response, where he's still trying to keep everything locked down in California. What is it, uh, past July 15th now, I think, is what he's saying? Now, come on, Gavin. It's over. If you want to save your state and want to save any chance you have, stop trying to pander to the illegals. Stop trying to, to pay out freaking California taxpayer dollars. <coughs> Excuse me. Along with <laughs> federal dollars that were sent to you as part of a bailout. Thank you, Biden. Stop trying to waste taxpayer dollars to buy your way back in by just sending checks to people. And actually, maybe try governing for a change. Take take a look. Put put your political glasses aside for a moment and take a look at what the problems in your state may be and what the best solutions might actually be. Look at what you've already done and honestly evaluate it. Pass or fail grade to say, did this work? Yes or no. If it didn't, either A, try doing the opposite, or B, just go back to the drawing board and try something completely different. I mean, that's the great thing about state governments is you're supposed to be the laboratories. That's the whole thing about having this uh, federalist-style government. We're supposed to have the states have a certain level of autonomy where they're supposed to get to try different things and see what works for them. And then the other states can look at it and see, hey, how well did that work there? Uh, would that still work for us? Because, again, not every state's the same. Wyoming, very different than California in a lot of different ways and a lot of good ways. In, in some cases, maybe even some ways that aren't so good. I mean, California, as a state, when we're not talking about the government, has a lot of great things going for it. It really does. Tremendous natural resources, tremendous beauty, great weather for the majority of the state, a majority of the time, and a lot of fascinating and sometimes just weird people. <laughs> a lot of great conservatives in the state, too, by the way, just not living in those population centers that managed to somehow strangle away all the control and keep it in the hands of Democrats. Come on, guys. Either get out and move somewhere that's going to be more accepting of your views or stand up and fight harder and save your state, starting with trying to remove Governor Gavin Newsom. So Gavin, he does pushback. He, naturally, he hates it. He he doesn't want to be seen as soft on gun ownership. Uh, he doesn't want to be seen as not being lefty enough, especially in these dark, dark times where they're desperate, desperate, I say, to hold on to what little bit of power, what little bit of authority that they have. The ability to continue to lean on COVID-19 as a way to control the public, it, it's fleeting away. It's going bye-bye. And, and so many leftists, so many, so many governors across this country are already struggling, struggling mightily with the fact that they no longer have that cover. Whether you're looking at Andrew Cuomo in New York or Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan or Gavin Newsom, in the great state of California. But regardless of how you feel about Gavin or his policies or, well, anything else, it's still great news, shiny, happy news, that the Constitution is back in California, baby. All right, so you guys stay right where you're at. I'm going to take a little bitty break right about now so you guys enjoy this Edwards Notebook. The presidential election could look quite different in 2024 and beyond if Democrats and rhinos have their sick way. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, House Democrats have totally given up governing on behalf of we the people and simply desire to perpetually rule over us via cheating and many scandals. So now they are in full support of the scandalous H.R. 5 bill or the so-called For the People Act. Among the numerous horrendous aspects of H.R. 5 would do away with religious liberties. Remember when the GOP also speculated that 
H.R. 1 was a strategic political move to grant Washington, D.C. statehood and ensure two more permanent seats for Democrats? Based upon my observations, it appears that Democrats were prepared to do away with constitutional restraints on government and pave the way for leftist-style official rule of one party with no tolerance for healthy debate or dissent, a sure recipe for a sickening disaster. May God rescue us from this madness. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your veterans tip of the day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over a thousand pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400 plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you for staying with me through that very brief break. And let me take this opportunity to remind you that we are heading just, we're diving, I should say. We're diving headlong right into the summer season. And this is the point in time where, thank goodness, uh, the pandemic is nearly over. Everybody's getting out. They're traveling more than they have in a long time. And little things like camping and boat outings and, and and summertime activities are on the rise. So with that being said, maybe it's time you upped your cooler game. Yes, that's right. When was the last time you were able to put fresh ice in your cooler and your cooler hold it for up to 10 days? Hmm? Uh, when was the last time? Tell, you tell me. I I don't know. Let's let's up that cooler game. Maybe you've got an older cooler and you're looking for a new one. Maybe you just want to upgrade and get a better one. And then you take a look at that, uh, you know, that Sasquatch, that uh, that Himalayan Bigfoot brand that we all know. And you, they're really good, but that's kind of expensive. Well. The guys over at Blue Cooler have the solution. They have that same level of quality of that Himalayan Bigfoot brand, but they also bring that quality to you at about half of the cost. So if you're looking for really good coolers that can hold your stuff for up to 10 days, keep your ice frozen for 10 days, come on, who can say they do that? Check out the folks over at Blue Coolers, please. Follow the link in the show description. That'll take you over to the Blue Cooler site. You can take a look at everything they've got going on over there just in time for summer. They've got some new discounts upcoming as well. Uh, Follow that link specifically. Just copy it, paste it in your browser, and go visit. And that way, not only do you get to see everything cool going on over there, but they know that I'm the one who sent you. Now, let's jump back into the final few moments of this first hour because... Well, I got to get this in. You see, we're being constantly reminded, if we're paying attention, that Joe Biden really doesn't have much control over what's going on in his own administration. And when he does seem to know about it, he's having trouble reading what he knows from a teleprompter. The Biden administration has at this point in time slapped an unprecedented gag order on certain media executives. In this case, we're talking particularly over the friendly confines of the New York Times. Don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm not surprised. Again, not a lot of coverage on the story. Now, it has gotten some, but not a lot. It certainly is deserving of more. 
Now, the Biden administration not only supported a secret legal, using the air quotes on the radio always works great. I'll just have to trust that you can hear the tone in my voice change. Not only supported a secret legal effort to obtain the phone and email records of four New York Times reporters, but its Justice Department imposed a gag order on the Times, quote, to shield it from public view. A move that the newspaper itself called unprecedented in journalistic history. Now, this revelation, of course, comes just weeks after... <clears throat> Uh, barely there, Beijing Biden called such record request, quote, absolutely, positively wrong, adding, quoting again, I will not let that happen. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe, uh, it, it's going on in your administration, Joe. So, you know, prove yourself to be Honest? Yeah, like that would ever happen. Okay, so on January 5th, the Trump administration petitioned a court to obtain the reporter's email information from Google, which provides the Times email service. The newly inaugurated Biden administration continued the probe and added a new twist. Quoting, while the Trump administration never informed the Times about the effort, the Biden administration continued waging the fight this year, telling a handful of top Times executives about it, but imposing a gag order to shield it from public view. This from the lawyer David McCraw, who called the move unprecedented. Now, this is finally the Times are reporting. Now, Google, of course, refused to turn over the records. Uh, and uh, the Times reported, apparently demanding that the Times be told about the Justice Department's request, as its contract with the company requires. Okay, so Google says, we can't just hand this over to you in secret. Okay, fair enough. In fact, I would like Google to uphold that standard in engaging with everybody, every citizen that uses their service, every person around the world that uses their service. I would love for them to say, nope, can't give you any of this kind of information without their knowledge. That would be great. Only I, I don't think they do that. Do you? I, anyway, so on March 3rd, the Biden administration allowed the court to notify McCraw, but the judge said that he, quote, not share the existence or substance of either of these orders with any other person without further approval from the court, meaning that the Times attorney could know, but he's really not supposed to tell anybody else. Interesting. Now, over the next few weeks, McCraw said he was allowed to inform a handful of people, including the company's legal team, and publisher, but not executive editor Dean Banquet or other newsroom leaders, uh, much less the public. McCraw called the order stunning, while Banquet noted that bipartisan nature of the email probe, which began in the final 15 days of the Trump administration and the Biden administration continued to pursue it. As I said before, it profoundly undermines press freedom. Gee, you think? Now, I'm all about freedom of the press. I really am. I firmly, firmly believe that a honest journalistic media should be free to pursue the truth and to continue to act as a check on power in this country. I really do. I'm not certain that the New York Times, for the most part, actually meets that definition these days. But, you know, let's not split hairs. For the purposes of this argument and for the purposes of getting some level of bipartisan support, you know, getting the left involved in standing up with us, let's say that for the time being, the New York Times, in fact, does still qualify. And in that case, perhaps, perhaps we should consider them at least 
part of the media because they are, by definition, part of the media, even if they're not very good at journalism anymore. Now, back to the story. Uh, saying such requests, uh, again, that's the request for the reporter's emails, launched to find out which administration officials leaked sensitive national security information to the media amount to about one case a year. Uh, this according to the Washington Post, uh, national security reporter Devlin Barrett. Uh, but the issuance of a gag order has reportedly never taken place before this past March. That makes this groundbreaking, to say the very least. Now, I, I wonder why the Biden administration even continued this. Because, I mean, when you seriously take a look at everything uh, Joe Biden personally tried to wipe out that was underway uh, under the Trump administration, you would think he's on a personal vendetta uh, against everything Trump and on a personal jihad to end uh, energy independence here in this country, uh, let alone destroy the economy. Uh, he certainly seems to be on a jihad of some kind. But what did they really want to find out if the Biden administration continued this? Now, I firmly believe that uh, the Trump administration really was looking to try to get their uh, get their hands on whoever it was that was leaking classified information. And that seems like something the government needs to be doing. Now, should they be going that particular route? Eh, maybe not. Maybe not being so secretive about it, because there are national security interests at play in this scenario. It would behoove the federal government, no matter who was in charge, to know. And I would love, I would love to be able to offer up the benefit of the doubt to Joe Biden and his administration and believe that that's the reason, the sole reason they continued this investigation. Except I just can't. It's not that I've become that cynical. It's just that everything I know about Joe Biden tells me that even if he was in complete control of his faculties, he's just not a very nice man. And he's a terrible, terrible human being when he's engaged in politics or personal wealth enriching, uh, which politics has been a stepping stone for him for in the first place. This gag order, that takes it a step further. I mean, the, the Trump administration wasn't necessarily trying to keep it out of the preview of the public. This was just another stage in him trying to keep another campaign promise, and that is he was going to try to drain the swamp, that he was going to try to find out that uh, anybody in the administration that was not following the rule of law was going to have to face some type of consequence. Now, of course, the left thinks, ah, oh, terrible, orange man, bad, orange man, bad. <coughs> but you let somebody start leaking some stuff about Joe Biden's administration, and I guarantee you they're going to be looking to, to hang these people from the highest yard arm. That's what they do. They demand, and it's all one-sided. This is not new to us. We, we know this. We've seen it. I don't even have to tell you. The only reason I say it out loud is because I need to get it off my chest. Get it out. Back to quoting here, though. <clears throat> it's completely unprecedented for the Justice Department to seek and obtain a gag order in a leak investigation. This is, of course, from Theodore J. Boutros, Jr., a lawyer who assisted the Times with its negotiations. And he said this when speaking to the Washington Post, saying that it adds insult to injury for the government to seek to muzzle the news organizations fighting to protect its sources. The Times said it went public the moment the order was lifted. Strategic news decisions about releasing bad news just before the weekend are often divisively called the Friday news dump. But in this case, this was literally as soon as they were allowed to put this out. So again, released this past Friday. Meanwhile, the Biden administration, echoing the Obama administration, echo, echo, echo. 
Biden administration released a statement saying that it knew nothing about its own DOJ's activities until media publicized them. That does sound an awful lot like Barack Obama, doesn't it? The fast and furious ring a bell. Well, I, I didn't know anything about this until I, I turned on the television and, and, and there it was. Right. Your wingman was keeping you in the dark. Uh. <laughs> but still, you utilized executive privilege as your excuse to keep any potential documentations uh, and a lot of stuff that Eric Holder needed uh, kept out of the public view, uh, to keep it from being testified in front of Congress, to keep him from potentially facing charges, executive privilege, except as I understand executive privilege, and I know I've said this since it first happened, I'm going to keep saying it though. Executive privilege is supposed to allow for the honest dialogue the unabashed and unabridged dialogue, freedom to say what's on your mind regardless of how non-PC it may be, no matter how non-woke it may be, no matter how devilishly evil it might sound to someone outside of that circle. But you have to be free to express yourself when giving the President of the United States of America the best possible advice. So executive privilege does that. It protects the secrecy of the discussion. But how can you have it both ways, Barack? Either you knew an executive privilege would possibly be reasonable, or you didn't know anything about it until you saw it on TV, read it in a newspaper. And if you didn't know, then executive privilege doesn't protect your wingman from anything because you didn't know anything. There was no conversation, so there's no executive privilege. Anyway, sorry, I, I get drugged down that rabbit hole every time. I apologize. Quoting from Jen Psaki, circle back Psaki. She said, quote, no one in the White House was aware of the gag order until Friday night. Yeah, <laughs> right. Circle back Psaki. Is anybody buying what she's selling here? Now, the Biden administration also added that it would put an end to the practice of asking for the records of bona fide journalists. What, congratulations, that means I'm still not on that list. Yay me. High five to me. I don't have that protection. But they're not going to be asking for the records of bona fide journalists anymore. At the end of the day, it's just a little more insanity. All right, I'm going to have to roll down to the end of the hour right about here. So, uh, you guys, thank you so much. I'm just going to do an hour here. Uh, thank you for being here. I'm going to try to sneak an hour in uh, as best I can for the next few weeks. Uh, so, in the meanwhile, thank you so much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody.